You're listening to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Gerard with space, pumped it towards Barosh. He's been tipped through it. The goalkeeper made contact. Luis Garcia was in front of the line. Gallas hooked it away. Goal! The first goal of the semi final is a Liverpool goal. And it's come down to Drogba, who this time is the fifth penalty taker for Chelsea in the final shootout. Welcome to the Ghost Gold Podcast. Tottenham started things off on Saturday with a 1-0 victory over bottom feeders Cardiff City. Manchester United overcame a 2-0 deficit for 10 minutes and beat Newcastle 3-2 thanks to a late winner from Alexis Sanchez. Is Jose Mourinho safe? We will discuss. Arsenal won big in a London derby against Fulham 5-1 with both Lacazette and Aubameyang grabbing braces. Chelsea wore their ice-cold kits and won 3-0 over Southampton. The Saints sit just two points clear of the relegation zone. And Liverpool and Manchester City drew 0-0 at Anfield. And the rest of us, well, we're just waiting for Riyad Mahrez's penalty to land. Uh, my name's Andrew Passaro in here with Alex Moss, Javier Arevalo. How are we doing, boys? Full squad. Much better after this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great weekend. This was a this was a f- phenomenal weekend. You know what phenomenal I did this weekend, weekend was the, it was uh, so I went to Carragher's, which is a big Liverpool pub in Midtown Manhattan, and I tried to go to another one that's in the village called the Eleventh Street Pub. And I got there right at eleven thirty for the for the match on Sunday, and they're like, "Yeah, we're packed. You got to go around the corner." And I had to go to this other bar, um, which honestly I'm blanking on right now. Um, but it was packed with Liverpool fans. Um, it was a really good scene. Um, so it was nice to be out amongst the people watching this match and not just laying in bed, but uh, a real snooze fest. But let's go start on the Saturday morning match, which was Tottenham getting a 1-0 victory over Cardiff. Eric Dyer scores in the eighth minute, and Joe Rawls gets sent off uh, in the second half. Um, I'm going to ask it. Is something up with Tottenham? I mean, I, this was one of those games where we all kind of pegged them to win by multiple goals. They had opportunities, but Cardiff were had theirs as well. Uh, are we worried about Tottenham still making a top four appearance here? I'm not worried about them getting into the top four. Like it's definitely more of a question than it was uh, before the season started. Uh, going into the season, they'd obviously made it three years in a row, but now that Chelsea and Arsenal have shown themselves to be as good and improving as they are. This little injury uh, bug that Tottenham have endured is is really threatening to derail their season. Now, obviously, they've got the international break, and a few of their players like Ericsson and Ali are going to be uh, recovering over the international break and hopefully back soon after that. But uh, in the meantime, with, without those two players in the team, as someone who has Harry Kane as his captain in fantasy this week, uh, expecting like at least a goal or two or like a penalty or something... No, no faith in your your own. Eating. Yeah, I guess not because I saw Harry Kane at home against one of the worst teams that I've seen in the Premier League for the last like five years, and I thought to myself, "Oh, okay, he'll grab a couple goals in that." They're not that. Yes, bad. they are. Come on, absolutely. Man. No, I can, they're not. No, they're I, not. They're I don't compete, think they're competing I, with. This, uh, this should be for another. This there, should be man. for another podcast. I, I think Cardiff are honestly one of the worst teams to compete in the Premier League for the last five years. I they're that, that bad. I agree. The with level that. of the the quality is just non-existent. They have maybe. 
one. Or, yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. I'll focus on Tottenham. Obviously, without those two uh, players and a couple more, like Musa Dembele, they're playing a midfield three of Harry Winks, Musa Sissoko, and I think Eric Dyer. And Harry Kane had to drop into midfield and basically help them in possession. He was nowhere near the opponent's six-yard box or the 18-yard box, for that matter. And they were relying on Son and Lucas Moore to basically try and get in behind a, a card of defense that was sitting deep the entire game. So they, they just basically negated each other apart from that early tap-in that Dyer had. It's, uh, it's Bombo was a beast. Just shut really. the, uh, the Tottenham defenders down. Not really. Down. <laughs> I mean, he did. They, they held them to one goal. I mean, away from home. No, I, I just, but I just explained to you, I just explained to you why that that's the case. Because... But that's, this is definitely a good result for them. It's a good result, but they were, I mean... Tottenham, Tottenham didn't really, Tottenham didn't really do anything to to pressure them. It's entirely Tottenham's fault that they didn't win this game three or four goals. Any self-respecting okay, top six to team, Cardiff, like, no, some credit for Javier, that. Javier, Arsenal scored three goals against Cardiff, like pretty easily away from home. Chelsea scored four, like pretty easily at home. Uh, Man City scored what five, six. Hold on, any Cardiff, self-respecting, it was Alex. yeah, it was three two, but you scored three goals on them away from home. Yeah, but it wasn't easy. Well, yeah, you guys are also crap. So that yeah, I mean, you're sitting here trying to justify the Cardiff are better than they actually. I'm just saying, are. You're two points ahead of Arsenal right I'm just now. Saying, trying to hit, he's, he's trying to be he's on trying your to get high throw. Of course, I'm on my high throw. Trying, I haven't trying lost to pretend yet. like you guys are so much better than us. We are. Just wait, because we wait. absolutely All right. are. November fourth. November fourth. Right, yeah, you can eat your ass kicked at the Emirates. You're gonna get your ass kicked. I'll see you there. You don't want this smoke. You know you don't want this smoke. Get the fuck out of here. You know you don't want this smoke. We're going to beat you on November uh, 4th and establish our dominance over God you. God damn it. God, I, I can't just know. wait till the later games. I need to know I need to know <laughs> who is selling you drugs, sir, because they are some good fucking drugs. When was the last time Liverpool won a trophy? I don't Okay, call that. me when like it's not the FA Cup. When was when is the last time that like, happened? This isn't what we do here. All right, we're let's let's bring the two thousands. Okay, first seriously, of all, yes, the was. Tottenham fans. <laughs> we I feel like we torture the Tottenham fans enough, and in the middle of their yeah, segment, but like Liverpool in, have never won no, the league. Javier, I'm saying they've, in the they've middle won of their one segment. Champions League in the last twenty five years, more times, in, and they think they're hot okay. shit. Javier, they have not won anything. One European trophy. Come call me. We're going to win it this year. We're winning the Europa League this year. It's already done. Unai Emery, he won three in a row. It's going to win I'm another I'm going to attempt one. one more time to bring this back done. onto the onto Somebody the train tracks. Somebody and I would just like to personally thank Joe Rawls for uh, setting uh, Premier League transfer business back just ever so slightly. So that uh, when when players in Italy and France and Spain are thinking to themselves, oh, uh, my, my agent. Uh, let me talk to my agent and see. I've got a, I've got a deal from England uh, on the line. Should I take it? And he just... They can just send them the Joe Rawls tackle and be like, yeah, do you want to get your legs absolutely destroyed? That was the worst tackle you will see in the Premier League this year. Definite red card? Yeah, Definite horrible. red card? I, honestly, oh, I can't understand. There's like people There's people I've seen on Twitter saying like, never a red. What the hell is that? And those are the people who probably grew up in like the 70s and 80s and you're just like, oh, it's a good hard English tackle. That's a good hard classic centre-backs tackle right there. <laughs> it's It was disgusting. All right, uh, other scores from Saturday. We had Brighton beating West Ham early on. You had Burnley and Huddersfield getting off to a 1-1 draw. Wolves beating Palace 1-0. Everton beating Leicester 2-1. Uh, Bournemouth waxing Watford 4-0. 
And then we got off to the hot drama of the day, which is at the 1230 match. And all of us, myself included, I don't know about you two, but uh, I was trolling Manchester United pretty hard when Kennedy and Moto uh, scored twice in the opening 10 minutes at Old Trafford. Um, and then in the second half, you had Juan Mata come up, gets a free kick. Martial scores seventy in the 76th minute. And then of all players, the man we've probably uh, criticized the most over at United in the past year, Alexis Sanchez scores in uh, the 90th minute. You knew it was coming. It, the, they had all the momentum in the second half. I'll, I'll, it, yeah, once once the second goal went in, you were like, okay, that the third one's going that's, in. Like, they're at Old Trafford. Peak- Ferguson United, that has never been peak right. Mourinho United. And over the better part of the past couple of weeks... It, They've come back from 2-0 down at Man City to win. They did, they did, right. but that was, again, a completely different... Uh, I don't think so. There was a different atmosphere it's a better team. Club. I'm not saying better team. I'm saying there was a different atmosphere. There's this cloud hanging over United. There was the story that came out in the mirror in the middle of the week that said Jose Mourinho was going to get fired regardless of the result. Uh, this is the exact same time when when Liverpool fired Brendan Rodgers and brought in Jurgen Klopp a couple years ago. This is if there's a time to pull the plug on Mourinho and attempt to salvage the se- the season, it is right now. So for them to get that win was huge. What it, what did you guys think of United on the day? I mean, I know they changed things around heavily in the second half. They pulled Lindel off early on in the first half after no, going they pulled Bayi. That's, yeah, that's right. They pulled Bayi off. They pulled Bayi early in the first half with like in sixteen minutes in after they'd gone. Fellaini also came on at halftime. So I mean, I, I thought it was it was kind of I mean it was crazy, right? The first half, Newcastle were awesome. Like they just blew United away. United had their worst half of football that they've played under Mourinho. Probably, I mean, it was abysmal. There were misses from, uh, I think, two two from Rashford. It probably should have been like 3-1 at halftime, uh, right. Newcastle, because... There were miserable misses on like both sides. Right, Rashford like, had one yeah. that, as it happened, you thought he had scored. And I think even the, the commentator on NBC uh, like started screaming like it was a goal and only realized after it had gone behind and was really clear that it missed. Like It, it took him a couple seconds to realize. And then Muto had that one chance... Uh, at 2-0 up where the ball got deflected or sorry no it, the the ball was headed towards goal and he managed to nip in behind and head it towards De Gea and De Gea had a reflex save to stop it from going in but that very easily could have made it like 3-1 so it was the tension I think that made this game uh the most or like the best game of the day on Saturday I think at the same time you had Bayern Munich losing 3-0 at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach I think later in the day you had uh, Barcelona draw uh, with Alavis, but or, or whoever it was that they played, no uh, Valencia, Valencia, yeah, Real Madrid lost, lost Alavis, with Alavis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, all these things are going on, but at the same time, Jose Mourinho, Manchester United at home, two 0 down in the first two minutes, drew everyone's eyes and focus, and that's what makes the Premier League the most entertaining league in the world. Is these storylines they trump everything happening at the top of other leagues, even when it's at the same time. So uh, for that to happen and everyone to go in at halftime, Mourinho running off the field, like jogging, like he had to get in there first to devise his plan for them to come back. And then for them to actually do it and play some of the best attacking uh, possession football we've seen United play for the past year or two, uh, it was it was entertaining as hell. I don't know yeah. if they can if they can maintain it, but uh, it was it definitely made my Saturday for sure. 
I, that might have been the best Premier League game of the whole weekend, to be to be totally honest. Like in in terms of a of a neutral sitting down to watching game for yeah. excitement, yes. And which definitely. I mean, definitely. Liverpool City was a total dud. We talked, I kind of already addressed that, but um, the the I want to say one more thing about this game. I thought I thought that like you you kind of you need to criticize Mourinho for the first half, right? How bad that performance was. How like little soul the players put into it. The misses, the horrible defending, all of that. But then you got to give him credit for taking Bailly off in the 20th yeah. minute, for bringing on Fellaini at halftime, changing things up. And from what he said uh, yesterday, um, he was basically, you know, saying, uh, like, you know, claiming that he basically inspired them at halftime and was like, look, guys, like, we got to do this. Like, we're not going to be losing at home to Newcastle. And I mean, they turned it around and it looked like, I mean, Mata, like, he, he, he looks like to be. Uh, Alex talk, was talking to me about this uh, yesterday. He's one of the most underutilized players, I think, at United. And he's such a good There's player. A he doesn't see enough game time. Um, and I think Martial, too. I think, like, both of those players coming off the bench, scoring goals. Martial started. The game. Alexis, Martial started, I'm pretty sure. Martial started? Yeah, he... he, he uh, Alexis came yeah. off the bench. Yeah, Alexis did. Was, right. So, two. I mean, two players... Two players that came off the bench were able to to score goals for for and two players that have in recent history and a little bit further back have had their disagreements uh, with Pogba. Those, sorry, with Mourinho. Those were the players that basically dragged United to victory. Pogba, it's pretty obvious. uh, We all know that history he has with Mourinho. He was the best player on the pitch in the second half. He like he he couldn't be stopped. He, He put him in withdrawn. Uh, like Regista almost role playing like in a everyone was making fun of it. Jorginho type role. Yeah, almost, everyone was yeah. making fun of it. It's like, oh, Pope was a center back. Mourinho's finally gone like full Mourinho and put, put his best player at center back. But no, he was just he it was works. just trying to move him deeper to yeah. get him some space to pick those long ranging passes to uh, to the likes of Lukaku and Rashford and Martial. And it worked like a charm. His combination oh. with Martial on that second goal. Whoo. Also, someone needed, that was so someone had to hose me down after that. That was filthy. <laughs> also, too, you can do that against a squad like Newcastle, who you know after getting a 2-0 result or 2-0 lead in the first half with a Rafa Benitez-led team, they're going to sit back. They're going to absorb pressure. They should have pressed further. They, should, they, they really should have. If they pressed for a third, they could have – like you, you almost got to – I'm not going to kill Rafa for this because, for God's sakes, the man went to Old Trafford and got a 2-0 lead, but – he didn't kill the game off, and it, well, that's a little bit too passive on his fault. But again, and a highly entertaining game uh, lit, led into a big Saturday night. Uh, obviously, there's a whole lot of college football going on. LSU goes down, and then the highly anticipated McGregor uh, Habib fight. Um, and I, I do want to—I know we're a soccer podcast and all, but I, I know I, we both got a big Snapchat from Alex and Hugo getting ready for that match, and I, I do. <laughs> Alex, I, I just need because I am I'm a McGregor guy because I I like his his post fight shit is hilarious but I don't usually pay for MMA. Um, Alex, how disappointed was it for that kind of result and just all the shit that went down after? Disappointing, but not like surprising. You know, like I think everyone knew like Khabib is. I mean, it's confirmed now. He's a monster. He just hadn't fought anyone like if you, even even before Conor McGregor. You look at his record and who he's faced. Like even. In the UFC, he's not been in the UFC that long. He hasn't faced anyone other than Conor McGregor. That's like amazing. So he finally confirmed it last night. He can defend his belt. He can uh, stand there and pressure Conor into making mistakes, and then continue to maul him on the ground. 
But then all of that BS afterwards was just, it just seemed like a complete like misunderstanding, a complete like disagreement of, of backgrounds and cultures between a very serious uh, guy in Khabib and a very fun loving and not as serious guy than Conor McGregor, who you can talk to Floyd Mayweather about it. Conor said some awful things about Floyd Mayweather, but there was an understanding going into the fight. I'm going to say this and you're going to say this so that we can drum up interest in this fight. And, you know, there's, there's some sort of, disconnect between uh connor and khabib there and khabib took it all too personally and went over the went over the freaking cage and went after people but i mean it, it put, certainly put eyes on the sport which honestly i can't really uh can't really hate but it also caused me to miss my own team the next day I, i'm oh, very really dis- very disappointed by it. <laughs> I, had to, I had to rewatch it uh yesterday <laughs> so luckily i had monday off to do some catching up there you go. There you go. Yeah, uh, the uh, Khabib moment had a very uh, Cantona-esque uh, feel to it, if you know what I mean. But yeah, a little, little bit more direct. Malice in the Palace. Yeah, ma- yeah, Malice in the Palace is another great comparison. Uh, so let's jump over to Sunday. Um, right and early, you had Arsenal taking on Fulham. They get a 5-1 victory. Lacazette, Sherla, Lacazette, Ramsey, and Aubameyang twice. Javier, how did you feel about the performance in the London Derby? Well, it was our first convincing win of the season. Um, if you will, it's the first, you know, more than two goal margin win that we've had this year. Um, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic about it because the way that Fulham lined up in this game, I think it was just suicidal. They basically just, they put out this, the first time they played like a three, four, uh, two, one, uh, like a three, four, three, basically. And they, it was the first time they, they lined up with it this season, which is you know kind of crazy to do against Arsenal, which Arsenal has struggled against that formation in the past, just when Chelsea's played it, not when they're playing it. Um, and they, they, were, they definitely struggled with that. You could tell in the first half that attacking-wise, they had practiced in, with it in practice, and like they could attack with it pretty well in the first half. But when we were attacking, they just... They looked in shambles. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't form properly, uh, you know, banks of four to to keep us from from penetrating the lines. And the entire game, you know, every time we attacked, we looked like we, we could score a goal. So I, I give a, a I give some credit to Arsenal and also cre- you know cr- discredit to Fulham that the way they lined up, the players they put out. Cyrus Christie was, I mean, he made a Wobi Cyrus the like virus a world class. <laughs> He made a Wobie look. I mean, the guy looked like he was a, he was Salah out there against uh, against Cyrus Christie. But um, I, Lacazette played super well. He was he was playing like a false nine type role. We started with uh, with Welbeck and a Wobie up front, which was interesting. That Aubameyang and um, Aubameyang and Ramsey were on the bench. Mkhitaryan, Wobie, and Welbeck all started. And we actually played well with them. So I I, I was surprised. I thought that was a Wenger type. Moment. I was very surprised when I saw the starting lineup, and uh, but I, it worked out. I mean, that first half it was close, uh, but we we I thought we outplayed Fulham the whole first half. They were kind of lucky to get that that goal at the end, at the end of the first half. But I mean, as soon as the second half started, we like came out with a vengeance and and never really looked back. So I was definitely happy with with how the front four looked. Much most fluid that I've seen the front four play, and yeah, I'm I'm. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the result. I think that we still need to see us play better teams uh, before I'm, you know, if this is going to be a, a pattern of beating teams like this. But 
follow-up question. Uh, Obviously, Mesut Ozil missed out at the last second due to back spasms. Do you think he's going to have a hard time getting himself back in the team after you guys had a performance like that? Do you think he deserves to be back in the team? Who, who, Who would miss out? All those things. Mesut Ozil, where does he fit into this? Yeah, it was just it's it, it's true. I mean, every time Ozil's been in the starting lineup, it's just kind of been awkward. Like it kind of seems like the other players are having to work around him, and lo- especially like Lacazette and Aubameyang, seems like they have to track back a little bit more. Uh, Bellerin can't attack as much when Ozil's on that right wing. He has to like stay further back, and he has to be a lot more cautious. When Mkhitaryan's playing on the right wing, it's a lot more of a natural fit. And Mkhitaryan, you know, he used to play, like, center defensive mid, and he has more of a defensive – you know, he played under Mourinho. He has a lot more of a a defensive mind, and he understands, you know, when Bellerin, you know, is going forward that he needs to to track back. And I think that that element to the game leaves us a lot less exposed, and I really like that. So I would like to see Mkhitaryan start going forward, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see what Emery thinks. I mean, I thought that this game was the perfect. You know, uh, Bayerin got got an assist. He was able to get forward a bunch. Um, he, we didn't really get exposed on that wing. I, I, I thought that you know it, it worked well, but we'll see. You know, Ramsey also didn't start. You know, he he, but he looked really good off the bench. It's, I, I mean, Emery's got good problems right now. You know, the team's in form. Everyone's playing well. Welbeck didn't score, but he, he he was threatening the whole game, and he was able to he was able to get the ball down the field a lot on that left wing, like 15, 20 yards down the field. You know, kind of like what Mane does with Liverpool, where like he'll just make a streaking run down the field, and then you know cross the cross cross the ball over to Salah. He was doing that. He was you know making 15, 20 yard runs, passing the ball into Lacazette, and 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 I mean we we were getting a lot of chances from that. So I uh, I'm excited to see you know how this team does going forward. I think this. This next month is is good build up to that Liverpool game in early November, but I'm not going to make any uh, any big claims or anything before uh, before that game. You know, I think if we win that game, I'll be looking at Arsenal a different way. But right now, I'm just it's quiet, quiet building. Will Arsenal it. score a better goal than Ramsey's goal? The uh, will oh they score gosh, a better goal that, this season? That goal was so beautiful. It's, it's, it might be it might end the season as an underrated goal. To be honest, it was so filthy the entire build up to it. It might get gold. It might. No, I, I mean, I hope that. it does. It it deserves that kind of attention. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I I don't know if the it will end up sort of getting that attention. Oh, little. We got a we we got a lot of time for Ruben Neves to drop in like a 35 <laughs> yard heater on us. So like, let's let's like cool our roll here because this is got, actually the first time yeah, in Premier League history that uh, two substitutes got goals and assists. Got like two substitutes off the bench. Got. A goal and an assist each. Obama actually got two goals, so it's pretty crazy. Um, How worried yeah. are we for Fulham? I do want to just touch on them real quick because because right now they've conceded the most goals um, in the league, four more than anyone else with twenty one. They're going to definitely be in relegation. They haven't. Be they like haven't. They haven't kept the clean sheet yet. They're. Uh, they're right. I think they're really in some trouble because we've seen teams that have come up from the championship before that are. Uh, talented going forward and, and on paper look like they should be able to uh, score goals in the Premier League. Like Swansea. Swansea, sure. Uh, a couple but years I think, I think yeah. the golden standard has to be someone yep. like Bournemouth who came up four seasons ago with that reputation and honestly probably worse players than Fulham have on, player, on, on paper. 
but, definitely but they were able to soul, sort of yeah. uh, not change their game completely but sort of manage fixtures and 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 adapt to the to the league a bit more you've seen none of that from fulham and they and they've been the the complete opposite of the end of the spectrum in terms of player turnover from uh, someone like wolves who are now this season the golden standard and have like haven't changed their lineup for the first 8 games of the season which is like a premier league record so well, let's let's look at some of the investments that that Fulham made defensively. I mean, we talk about the offensive players they brought. I mean, those we are talk working. About Shirley, we talk about say. you know bringing in Mit- Mitrovic as an attack. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like they brought in midfielders and attackers for the most part this off season. They didn't anchor that defensive line, and the reality. I mean, is they like, have with a few. They're just not very good players. Yeah, Cyrus and, Christie, I mean, as you mentioned, Javier Lamarchand, Maxime, uh, Maxime Lachard, who, who this was Lamarchand, his first start. Yeah, the, uh, then Tim Ream played for them last year. Uh, Dennis Odoi, I think, played for them last year, but it's just very, very inexperienced and probably not even good enough quality wise. Anyway, it's the midfield. It's the midfield. They've spent what is their midfield like sixty million in in transfer value? Uh, yeah. Angisa and Seri, and they just got Sarri they got cut Angisa. through. No, they, they were got good. Cut through, they dude. were good, but. That was the only the, part that was decent. From I thought the they offered side, like very little, uh, sort of like relief from Arsenal's press. Like they weren't, they weren't. The two of them were hardly a match for like the amount of bodies Arsenal had in midfield. Like Torreira bossed it. Torreira was amazing. I thought. I I just think that also had to do with the formation. Right, they had the two people in there, and they just, needed it, it, they it needed Goliath efforts them. from two good but not great players in Angisa and Seri. Right. Who aren't defensive minded exactly. enough to do that role? It's, those roles. They got to they got to fix it for sure. I'll say this about Fulham: I think they're going to be okay because Huddersfield and Cardiff are pretty much locks. Um, if they can right. put themselves above a team like Southampton, who I've predicted is going to struggle, or Newcastle, um, or Newcastle, or it's really Newcastle yeah. that they're they're looking at. The, looking yeah. At, so you know? I mean, it, right now the bottom three is Huddersfield on three points, Newcastle on two points, and Cardiff on two points. You you could see Palace. You could you see could, Palace being down there. You could see there. Palace. I, I already said Southampton easily slipping. I mean, West Ham's in 15th, but they're on seven points. And I know they lost to Brighton this weekend, but they looked like they might have things going in a positive direction. So, yeah, it, Fulham, I, all of us kind of predicted earlier on in the season during previews that they were going to be a team maybe to watch out for, maybe a middle-of-the-table run, and it just isn't there. I think they need to go out and get another defender at the – Andrew, were you watching this game at the all? The Arsenal game? No, I was not up that early. I'm, okay, but I was going to say, I was watching and I was like, oh, wow, Andrew predicted 4-1. Yeah. I thought you were going to get it right. No one got a prediction yeah, right this week. And that. then we scored the fifth and I was like, wow, well, <laughs> like, no one no one even th- thought yeah. of that one. So. Uh, let's jump over to the Chelsea match. Southampton beat Southampton on the road 3-0. Hazard continues his start to the season with another goal. Barkley in the 57th and Morata in the 90th plus three minutes. Uh, Barkley also had an assist from what I read and heard from a lot of Chelsea fans. This was kind of the the game that they've been waiting for from Ross Barkley, the moment where he really kind of gets on the score sheet and all the hard work he's paid off or put in over the last couple weeks has finally paid off. Alex, what did you think of uh, the Blues result and uh, Ross Barkley on Sunday? Well, I, I, I think a lot Barkley. of Chelsea fans are uh, chirping about Barkley at the minute because he's been in a lot of like the media news recently. He just did like an interview with someone around the time of the Europa League match last week and everyone came out of it basically saying how he's learned so much about playing in midfield. And I sort of went back and just started to like watch his uh, watch his highlights at Everton and 
I started to realize that like at Everton, he was only really asked to play as like a second striker, basically. And he was given that freedom to just drift wide, drift deep, drift wherever he had to go to get the ball, and then focus completely on being that link between the rest of the team and Romelu Lukaku, who obviously had all the success, had all the plaudits, got the big money move. Ross Barkley, meanwhile, never really had like the 15-goal season, never really had the – because he was constantly supplying Lukaku and constantly being that link between the two. Now he's in a system where for the, I think for the first time in his career, he's really properly learning how to play in midfield. And he, he's definitely improved. Like he, he wasn't bad for the first couple of games before Kovacic got settled, but uh, he, he didn't really do anything to like mark his name in the team and make it so that Murcia Sarri looks at the lineup and goes, I need Ross Barkley's goal scoring and attacking out- output in my team to make up for the fact that we don't really have goal scoring anywhere else in the team other than at left back and left wing. So, if Barkley can consistently have these types of performances against these level of teams, it's going to make it really easily to really easy to rest uh, someone like Mateo Kovacic for these much much bigger games. Because when Barkley played that game against Arsenal, I, I didn't really like his performance. Uh, to be honest, he got dispossessed far too many times, including on Arsenal's first goal. It was uh, him and him and William in that game were very unimpressive to me and made me want Chelsea to move towards a uh, Pedro and uh, Kovacic uh, in those positions instead. So good to see improvement. I'm not getting too uh, carried away with it at the, at the best. He's uh, he's a, a great uh, squad player, let's say, or like a, not one of the stars, one of the, the next level down. No, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think that he's ever going to be anything more than that, but I mean, you need players like that. You're gonna need you need to rotate guys, and this is. I mean, Southampton is like that's the type of game that. Uh, I mean, Liverpool plays Huddersfield next. Like, I absolutely want Fabinho to start that game because it's gonna give him an opportunity to get, you know, his his legs dirty against a team that's fine. They're still gonna be pushing against you because it's the Premier League and quote unquote anyone can win any day. But um, Ross Barkley should be able to should be good enough to help you defeat Southampton. Should he be good enough that he's going to help you beat another team in the top six or maybe a Wolves? Maybe not. But in this type of game where he's he's a, a definitely an asset. Um, so I mean that's that's that. Javier, you got something to say? Did Morata start this game? He, he or came off, off the, bench the bench because he started the game on Thursday against uh, Videoton and scored the winner. But he's a uh, it's two goals in yeah. two games for him. It it was set uh, out on a plate for him, but after the misses, we've seen him, uh, seen him have the last few months. It's good to see him consistently scoring, even though he did have another chance earlier in the game that he did miss. (laughs) He probably should have scored. So whatever, we'll take the goal where we can get it. Um, and just overall continuing to improve in Sarri's style. It was, it was, it was nice to see. I, I actually didn't want to talk that much about Chelsea's performance. I wanted to talk about John Terry officially announcing his retirement. Uh, the, the other day, he'd obviously had left the club a year, a year yet? and a half ago, played for Aston Villa for a year and had been kind of looking around to see if anyone would be willing to pick his old ass up. Uh, but I think he's on the verge of getting some sort of managerial uh, or assistant job, either with Aston Villa or, or somewhere else. So he's got to uh, officially retire to do that. John Terry was, I'll say it, the best defender in Premier League history. He's, he's the best. He's the highest scoring Premier League defender. Jamie Carragher even said it the other day that he thinks John Terry was the best to ever do it in the Premier League. So again, that's since 1992. Um, 
I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, as a Chelsea fan, I just kind of want to throw it out there and say that it's not really a debate to me. There are other players you can probably put into like consideration, like Rio Ferdinand or like maybe Tony Adams or someone like that. Uh, no, Tony Adams. Exactly. He, he, most of his career was in like the late eighties, like his peak. And Rio Ferdinand didn't, I mean, but where, did, okay. But... In the Premier League era, I think... I think it's Sean Terry because I think Rio Ferdinand has one more Premier League title than, than Terry. But he has zero FA Cups, and Terry has five. They both have a Champions League. Uh, I think. I, and Terry too. Terry was getting named in a team, in, you know, World Team of the Year and, and European Team of the Year. That Ferdinand wasn't getting into. And Terry scored. Terry was scoring goals. Terry that was, was that John was Terry was scoring apart. big goals in big moments in five big six goals games. a season. Five five to six goals a season every year. Like John Terry announced himself as like a, a the, one of the better goal scoring defenders in the league in I think it was 2004, the first year we uh, won the league under Mourinho. We went to Highbury. Arsenal obviously had the invincible season. We went down one nil and then two one, uh, and at two one after two on goals on a corner kick, I think John Terry had like an absolute bullet header from a corner kick that made everyone sit up and go. Holy crap! He's scoring like these goals in these big of moments in the, in title winning seasons. He then went on that season to score the winning goal against Barcelona in the Champions League, like round of sixteen or something, in like a a four a three one win we had at home against them. It he he scores the biggest goals and he's the one of the best deep lying defenders uh, with with a whole with a whole arsenal of players sitting deep with him. He's the best general you could hope for and. It's gonna be. I'm gonna be sad to see him uh, not playing anymore, but uh, I'm thankful for what he did for the club. I mean, he'll go down as Mr. Chelsea. Yes, he played the last year plus with Aston Villa, but it was actually written into his contract that if they were gonna go up against Chelsea in any competition, he was not gonna be obligated to play in that match, <laughs> um, which is a very unique situation. I, I, something I've actually never heard of in in sports. Period. I mean, we know we see it in the loan situation, but I mean, <clears throat> he kept getting those one year bumper deals at Chelsea and. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I know there's rumors about Aston Villa, uh, that there is the co- obvious connection over at Derby that maybe he goes and joins, uh, Frank Lampard, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's something open up at Chelsea and he's going back there. Like he is. And based on everything I've heard with some of the people I've worked with in the industry over the couple of years is he is Chelsea through and through always has been, always will be. And I know it really hurt him, you know, to ha- I mean, he wanted to keep playing, but to not be able to keep tying it on for Chelsea was something very tough from what I've heard. So um, one of, yes, one of, I would agree with Alex, probably the best defender in Premier League history. Uh, so are you, are you going to go for, are you going to try and say that you have the best defender and the best midfielder oh, in undoubtedly. Uh, Premier League history? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a question out here. You like that? Although, I mean... <laughs> Isn't N'Golo Kante technically Leicester because they got him first and they made, made a bit of miracle? No, it's yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it's whatever N'Golo. years you it's played Frank. more. It's not Frank. It's, it's whatever, N'Golo. Whatever the bulk of your career was played, but then we've I'm already so, we've I'm already sorry. got the so beat. Alex is like, oh, you're right, Javier. Top two midfielders of all time. What's <laughs> like, that? I'm sorry. I'm I don't sorry, think N'Golo. Were... I will always think of N'Golo Kante for Leicester and the first and the first championship. I don't care how many titles. Really? That's who you? you, you that's your best Premier League. I'm not. I mean, I I figured that's. I know he's going to go after Frank, but I'm. They were. Let's just say this. Leicester were 5,001 odds. Are you saying that you think N'Golo is the greatest midfielder of all time in the Premier League? I'm surprised he's, you're not. He's that, played Alex. four seasons. Slow your roll. What about Gerard? Also, Are you I'm, me I'm, right I'm already on deflect mode. Someone who never touched contact. the trophy can't be the best of all time, Javier. <laughs> wow. 
it's okay. It's okay. He won the Champions okay. League. He's, he's, oh, you're saying the the Premier League trophy? He's going to come back and win it as a manager. Yeah. That's cool. He's, he's, already, yeah. he's already the man in waiting. What if he came back and won it like five times as Liverpool as a manager? Would, I would, would you be, be like, uh, like, I would not be sure. He'd probably find a way to slip up again. Oh fuck off! I mean, <laughs> no, uh, just like geez. just like just like John Terry slipped like his way into Wayne yeah. Bridge's wife's bed. Hey, we, no, actually, oh, in the there was a couple actually, slips in the, there uh, in the sort of aftermath of the announcement of John Terry's retirement. Uh, there were, were all these articles written, basically reaffirming the fact that the magazine that put that rumor out there had to write an apology and retract the story to John Terry. And also how the racial abuse incident with Anton Ferdinand a few years later, uh, the court that tried Terry found him not guilty, but the FA, which had a far uh, lower standard for a burden of proof, found him guilty. So it's basically kind of one of those things where like all the media hated Chelsea and all the media hated John Terry and uh, were looking to make stories out of him as much as possible. Yet when Ryan Giggs sleeps with his wife, with his brother's wife for eight years, it's only a story for two days because it's all Manchester United and Liverpool pundits in the, in the media. That's all they care. They, they just protect their own. It's the only reason the Chelsea story stuck is because we're not, a, we're, we're not like a general, we're not like a huge power in the English game, like United and Liverpool are. So their players get protected. You like that? <laughs> John Terry's innocent. Right. John Terry's innocent. He's the greatest of all time. Right, should, Wayne Bridge says otherwise. All right, let's talk about this boring ass game between your two it shit was. teams. <laughs> this, the, I literally, um, I fell asleep. This game, the game. I'm so, did I. I. so this game was a game after Jose Mourinho's heart because both teams were giving each other entirely too much respect. This so was, much respect. It was so like awful. Like it, it was just like the definition of like. I don't want to push too far forward because they're going to leave space open. There weren't really a ton of chances. Like the only real clear goal scoring chance came in like the 84th minute when Van Dyke fouls. Uh, I think it was Gabriel Jesus. It's a pretty stupid foul. It was not foul a great too. foul to give up. I'll give you that. Jesus was going nowhere. No, he, he was, was not. He are, are, you the, are you talking about for the penalty? Yeah. It was Leroy Sané. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, Leroy right, Sané. Right. Um and. Also, shout out to uh, Raheem Sterling. Still can't do anything against Liverpool. Um, had to get it in there. Um, oh, Aguero. How about that? Did you hear that uh, stat they threw out there? The, can you remember Javier off the top of your head? It was like 850 minutes at Anfield, and he's had his five yeah, shots it was, on goal. It was in, in eight appearances, he he hasn't scored. And he has only Anfield five eight, shots on eight. target in all that time. That's right. ooh. That's, that's really But he's bad. pretty good against us at... Uh, at the FDA. oh yeah, he scored like six or seven oh, yeah. goals against you at, at the, the at the at the head, yeah. but he just never scores against you. It's crazy to me because uh, Anfield to us is like a second home. We haven't wa- lost oh, there since two thousand twelve. <laughs> I don't see what the big deal is to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> a second home. <laughs> wow. I tell you what, while we're rebuilding uh, our new stadium, or while we're building our new stadium, maybe we could play our home games. God, at I don't remember the last time Arsenal went to Anfield and got uh, and won. Let me think. <laughs> It's, uh, it's going to be a while, Javier. Yeah, it's going to be a while. Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack us so much. <laughs> so uh, I did look it up. I watched the game at the Grafton in, in uh, the village in uh, New York City. Really nice bar. Highly recommend. Um, the big news that came out of this game is James Milner came off early in the second half, or in the first half, in a similar way that uh, Nabi Keita came off in the first half against Napoli. Although Keita came on to replace him. Um, he didn't really look 100%, but he looked good enough for them to, to keep a nil-nil draw. But James Milner is now going to be out a month 
which is oh, that's not great. so bad. But I mean, they do have back to back games against Huddersfield and Cardiff coming up. Um, so they're. I feel like that's one position though where you you've got a lot of depth. not as much as you think we do though. With Fabinho, you have Fabinho I mean. who can slide in and would probably involve Jordan Henderson. He can play left back and he can, no, play, he can play right back, back so. center back or yeah. sorry, uh, center right, mid. He's, he's so he's got he he, he he's, got you he's got you. He's well most covered. likely going to play in the defensive midfield role and they'll slide Jordan Henderson up into a more attacking role, kind of like what he did in 2013-14 when he was Gerrard's cover, um, and. I, so the problem is with Henderson is we haven't seen him play that role in forever. Adam Milan. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that I, at all. I'm I think, not the biggest ugh. fan of it. You haven't seen Adam Milan be able to stay healthy, but ideally he should be able to slide back into that midfield. But again, he can't stay healthy for if his life depended on it. You're still waiting on Oxlade Chamberlain to come back. I'm not anticipating him being back in until at least March or April. Um, so there are more holes at that position than, than you thought they would. And on top of that, some of the youngsters that they have at that position, they loaned out. Like they don't have, um, ben they Woodburn. don't have, they don't have Ben Woodburn. Um, they don't have OVH Aria who's on loan at Rangers. Um, but what could happen, and I, and I actually haven't seen this written or said anywhere is what could happen is you could see, uh, Nathaniel Klein come back in at his starting right back position, and he could switch Trent Alexander Arnold back into midfield, which is his natural position. So maybe that opens it up. I still think your starting midfield, your your starting midfield three is going to quickly become, assuming he can associate now Fabinho in the holding midfield role next to Wijnaldum and next to Naby Keita, which honestly might be the best midfield that we can put out there. Can, can we address the? Uh... The elephant in the room, at least for me, from this game and from this last like run of fixtures for Liverpool, which is that you guys look gassed. The the yeah. the Keita and Milner injuries at the times that they came and like uh, they they don't look good. They look like your players are overworked and not able to maintain the sort of uh, high pressing uh, balls to the wall football that everyone. Uh, they haven't been playing that style. They've but been more reactive, you. sure, but they've been yeah. played so much and in so many high pressure, high intensity games, just by the nature of them. Like two games against Chelsea last week, uh, PSG, Tottenham, uh, yeah, Napoli away, Napoli away. like, and then these, City. These are tough we, we games. Just- we just came through a really tough stretch, and they walked away. They're still undefeated in the league. They're in third place on goal differential. Like they're exactly where I'd want them to be. And like I said, they have they have some. They have Huddersfield next. Then they have Red Bull or not Red Bull. They have Red Star, Cardiff, and then they play Arsenal, and then they play Red Bull or Red Star again. So the next three of the the next three matches are games that they shouldn't necessarily have to be at all guns a blazing and to to win. Um, hopefully some of these guys get a little bit of a rest. The one, and, and I looked at the stats here, Salah through about seven or eight games is at a statistical similarity to where he was last year, and this is the point where he kind of took off and went off on a rampage. And and this is what they're going to need. They're going to need him or Sadio Mane to start converting some of these chances that they're getting because, uh, again, Salah had a couple opportunities and just totally flubbed them, like, like just bad misses. So, Neither team looked sharp on Sunday. Neither they, both teams looked like they canceled each other out. And I would say like City said, looked sharper, to be honest. I, I would agree with that. Um, and and let's talk about this penalty because we, we talked about it before we sat down, and we were all kind of just bullshitting about it. What a terrible penalty from Riyad Mahrez! <laughs> yeah, very very quiver moment moment there. You know, he can be the hero for City, win the game, 
And and it, and it was pretty crazy that you know Jesus was like, look, I'm the number nine. I've scored penalties before. I've been here longer. You know, I should take this. And you know, uh, I think he he looked over at the captain, who I think who was well, the I captain. Thought, at the no, time. he was talking with um, Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva was the one who came over to him and sort of said to him, like, let Riyad take it. Let um, him take it, right? He was like, let him take it. And, and, and you could tell right after the penalty, Jesus was just like, oh my god. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what it. the equivalent is, but like. You know, the New York Yankees, they talk about earning your pinstripe. With the Cleveland Browns, they talk about earning your, your helmet stripe. Whatever the equivalent is of getting, I guess, your sky blue or, or, or getting the boat bat, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Riyad Mahrez hasn't done it yet for City. And this was. He showed glimpses. Golden, he showed glimpses, but this showed, was his chance to really. This, would, this is a chance. This was his first chance in a yeah. real game that mattered. I mean, you know, he's been doing it in, in the cup versus, you know, Kikalakistan, <laughs> but, like, you know, everyone can do that. So. Yeah. The, like, you know, I, I don't Who care that he's getting a brace first, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not familiar yeah, with that. I don't know. Some random teams that he, I mean, if they uh, were in the Champions League, City probably wouldn't be able to beat him anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> uh, it's good that we don't have a City fan on this podcast because none of us would be able to talk any shit. All of them are plastic anyway. It's <laughs> fair. It's fair. We wouldn't allow, we wouldn't allow them on the podcast. would melt their plastic bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I will say, on a scale of 1 to 10, I think the disappointment factor on this was an 8. Like, we were all expecting a shootout, and I think I tweeted it earlier in that day, was if I knew this was going to be a draw, I would have liked 2-2. Two, two. I would have liked a little bit of entertainment. But there's zero, zero percent of it. Who would have thought that this game would have turned into a little bit of a defensive battle? So, um... It wasn't even, though, that much no. of a defensive battle. It was just, just like... a midfield was, battle. There was so much passing at the back, and, like... There was just so few good opportunities. It just it, it provide like you said it provided almost zero entertainment and kind of sucks because it was the flagship game of the weekend. And it kind of you know? sucks because you looked at that game and you looked at the way teams have been the, the teams have been playing over the season and and that's the game that it's like that's the game you drag your roommate who's not really a soccer fan and say hey man let's go to the let's go to the bar at eleven right, o'clock let's go watch let's this. go watch the game exactly like, and I'm not throwing either team under the bus here but like for not you know. For all of us trying to like grow the game or like trying to get our friends to go to the bar with us or go do stuff and, and get into this and find more listeners for this podcast, follow us on iTunes and subscribe. <laughs> you know, um, shameless plug. Uh, this was that game. Like this was the game that you circled and so let's go and watch this. And it totally didn't deliver. It ended so, up being like one of the 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 old uh, big games in the Premier League, like ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Whenever like there was a huge, highly anticipated top two or top three matchup. People would always like hype it up, and then eventually it would eventually be like a one nil or a nil nil, and just it would be just disappoint that that was a big problem in the league about ten or fifteen years ago. And thankfully, we've come in a very uh, different direction from that. All right, so before we wrap up, uh, one quick question um, from I'm going to answer it from all of you, and then I'll answer it. Uh, Jose Mourinho survives the international break. Javier, yes or no? Definitely, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I still think he's going to be there at Christmas. So. All right. I think no. I think after this next run of games, where they have to face uh, Chelsea, Juventus twice, Man City, uh, I, I think after that run of games, he's going to be fired. All right, there you go. Right. I, I, knew, I teased it in the open that we would discuss it, so I had to make sure we snuck it in there. Until next time, follow us on Twitter at Andrew Passaro at asmos ninety two uh, and at Ghost Gold Pod. Those three on Instagram and Javier. Your Instagram is Javier Rev nine. There we go. Um, Everybody have a good week. Try to enjoy your international break. Look out for more content coming soon. 
We'll do a little bit of a continental catch-up, talk about some of the issues going on in La Liga with Barcelona and Real Madrid. We've also got Bayern Munich, who are slumping really hard in in, uh, Germany, get you caught up with the title races in Italy and in France. So look out for that. Until next time. See you.